I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. This is the pod of thunder and rock and roll today. Actor, comedian, wrestling fan extraordinaire Ron Funches is on Talk is Jericho. You know him from Undateable. He's also on the third season of Transparent on Amazon. Or if you're a Comedy Central fan, maybe you know him from the Nick Kroll show. Or how about the fact that he's won at midnight 18 times? Yeah, I'm a one-time at midnight champion. Uh, he is an 18-time at midnight champion uh, hosted by Chris Hardwick, of course. He's very funny, very talented, very much a wrestling fan. He grew up in Chicago and went to a lot of shows. Well, here's some of his favorites. He also is a regular at the PWG shows in Los Angeles. They're becoming an event in the LA area. Lots of celebrities showing up at those shows, including Ron. Ron's going to tell us why he thinks they're so popular. He's also talking about his comedy influences. You might be surprised who made his list and who didn't, and what it's like to film Undateable completely and legitimately live. It's crazy. Speaking of crazy, speaking of funny, Team Tiger Awesome has some crazy and funny to share with you in the form of their new podcast, The Team Tiger Awesome Show. And I was their guest on the newest episode that came out last Sunday, and we made up wrestling gimmicks. Wait to hear Mondays. Wait to hear mine, Timmy the Carpenter. Go to uh, the Team Tiger Awesome Show to hear my wrestler that I created called uh, Timmy the Carpenter, who actually was a real guy. You uh, need to go check this out. It's a guy that we trained with, Lance and I trained with, named Vic DeWild, who uh, had an idea to do a gimmick called Timmy the Carpenter, and uh, that was my made-up character. Uh, truly does a uh, big, big guy, tiny man. Um, <laughs> Gage does, uh, what is he called? Dandy, Dandy McGee or something like that. Awesome Dandy McGee. And uh, Mondays is a hobo, a street bum. Funny, funny stuff. You got to check this out on the Team Tiger Awesome Show. And if you uh, like the show and you listen to it, Cut a promo as your favorite, uh, uh, as your favorite creator wrestler from Team Tiger Awesome Show. You could be Bo Archer. That's another one, and I will uh, retweet it and I will post it, uh, and, and you could you could win a prize as well. So go to at TT Awesome 
or at Talk is Jericho on the Twitter after you listen to the Creator Wrestler episode with me and Monday and Truly Engage. And then uh, film a promo, cut a promo as your favorite of the five wrestlers that we created, and I will retweet it, and you could win a prize. All right? That alone is worth checking out that episode. Go to uh, podcastone.com or to iTunes to get the latest episode of the Team Tiger Awesome Show. And while you're there, hit the download button and keep it at 100 with Conan. That show just keeps getting better as well. Conan and the gang, Disco Inferno and KG doing some great work uh, had some great stuff broken Matt Hardy on that show a few weeks ago it was classic go check it out huge hit got another program another third show coming to the Jericho Network very very soon stick around and listen I will let you know who it is in the meantime and in between time check out the shows on the Jericho Network make sure you leave a five star rating and a review when you subscribe on iTunes and I subscribe to Talk is Jericho as well if you're not All right, Ron Funches is ready to roll and I'm ready to roll into this one with Ron because I did my DDP yoga. Uh, I was feeling a little bit stiff and sore this weekend after uh, a great match with Neville in Chicago, another great match with Sami Zayn in Indianapolis, and then uh, a fun match last night with Kevin Owens and uh, Esno and Big Cass with one S. Yeah, funny, funny stuff last night. I don't know if, uh, if you guys missed it because you were watching the debate. Uh, go back and check it out if you can. I was on a roll, baby. Maybe I'll come out there and sit on your lap. All right, but I got, I got a, lot of, uh, a lot of aches and pains from that, and I've been on quite a role so I needed to do some DDP yoga to help me out and it's not just helping me it's helping on AJ Styles, Corey Taylor, Rich Ward, Mick Foley's lost so much weight in the DDP yoga program lately he's looking uh, so slim and trim and you know what DDP and DDP yoga can do the same for you you want to get slim you want to get trim Dallas can help you out and now it's easier than ever thanks to the DDP yoga now app it's all I use these days the app has all the workouts which means I can do it right from my phone and the app has all sorts of cool features as well you can use it to track your heart rate and calories you can use it for pain tracking measurements progress photos and if you're in the need of a little extra motivation you can access motivational messages from ddp himself and now ddp yoga app subscribers won't ever get bored doing the same workouts over and over again because ddp has added completely new 2.0 workouts and weekly live workouts from the ddp yoga performance center and for a limited time you can get the ddp yoga dvds for 20 percent off that's 5 10 15 20 percent off plus you get three months of full access to the ddp yoga now app and all you got to do is go to ddpyoga.com slash jericho all you got to do to take advantage of this great deal is go to ddpyoga.com slash jericho and get 20 percent off the ddp yoga program plus three months of full access to the ddp yoga now app that's ddpyoga.com slash jericho get in the best shape of your life physically mentally and go change your life and go do it now all right so this is this is how it is nowadays when you actually become friends with someone when you follow each other on twitter and I'm here with Ron Funches. Uh, and that's how you pronounce it, right? It's not you some fancy. No, not Funche. No, nothing special. <laughs> I always say it's like lunches with an F or bunches with an F. It's, it's easy. People always want to add to it, but it's, 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 it's pretty it's easy. exactly the way it sounds. Yeah. But that's we became, uh, you know, friends, friends, quote unquote, by following each other on Twitter. And here we are now face to face for now, the first yeah, time ever. Now we're real friends. This makes it real. Now we're real friends. We've been friends for a long time in my mind, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Before we want to get started, I even I want to say thank you. I want to thank you for something that you did for me that you didn't know about because it was on a DVD. And I don't even know if it was your DVD or uh, a different one, but I was watching it and you said something that really affected me. I remember you said something about... Uh, People are going to tell you that you can't do something because they never did it. You can't take their advice because, they, of course, to them, you can't do it. 
I got that. Uh, it, it's cool to hear you say that because I got that from Paul Stanley, who said that in a video in 1987. And he said, the only people that tell you you can't do something are the ones that have failed. And I'm not going to tell you that you can't do something because I did it. You can do it. So to hear he said that to me and I got to thank him for it. And then you hear that same thing. It's 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 a. Uh, it's amazing to yeah, me to a, have that. Yeah, it's a good cycle. Thing. It's like, yeah, for you sure. Know? But actually, I have some heat with you, Ron, because oh, no. uh, I went on uh, at midnight, and I won. I became the champion. But then I hear, oh, you're not Ron Funches. What do you mean? 18-time <laughs> champion of uh, at midnight. So th- I'm telling Hardwick right now, you have to put you versus me together. I want to see just how good you are. Okay. Because it's I'm like the most it. random show ever. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, it's um, been really helpful for my career. It's it's a really fun show because you can just show your sense of humor without really burning my material, uh, <laughs> <laughs> going through all my moves set. So it's uh, it's fun. I'll take you on any time. And I mean, I'll be straight. I'm fourteen time champion. Oh, 14, 14 out of twenty, but I'm still the best of all time. I'm the the Ric Flair or the Undertaker <laughs> of of at midnight. And, and come on, I'll I'll, I'll take you on. So I'm getting the vibe that you are obviously a very big wrestling fanatic. Yeah. You grew up that way. Uh, just where would you grow up at? I grew up in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got into wrestling. I grew up in a house of uh, basically all ladies. Uh, my mom and my aunt and her daughter and my sister. When I was in high school, um, I was a big metal guy, and this is when Duran Duran was at their peak. So I actually, I just you know, you hated this Duran Duran, and I took a, a black T-shirt and I wrote on it with white paint, "Death to Duran Duran," and. Uh, what the hell was I thinking? I never got one date in all of junior high school. Nothing. Yeah, that guy's really passionate. Yeah, he's about really Durant over the top. Durant. He loves metal so much that he does never kiss a girl ever. <laughs> I look back like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm so heavy, and that was just this is what happens. When you try and follow, you know, what the chicks want you to do, it always ends up in a disaster. It does. It does. You yeah. just gotta be about your life and your passions and then and then people come around you. So were you like always a kind of like a funny guy like in class or because a lot sometimes comedians are very quiet. Yeah, no, that would be me. I, I mean, I was funny. I was voted class clown, even though I didn't know why. I was like mostly just making fun of you guys. I didn't think <laughs> I thought you guys hated me. <laughs> if you knew what I was thinking you're not about, it, right? Yeah, you're not getting what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, but it was always I was never like loud and or anything. It was more like making fun of the teacher on the side like mm-hmm. that was my style it was very uh dry very just i mean i, I was i'm a shy person in in general so my day-to-day is a little bit hard for me i always get lost like i'm just like it's it's just walking like around just no something. walking <laughs> like i have a poor sense of direction like i have i have a lot of add i can barely finish sentences in, in general conversations you can ask her and mm-hmm. then uh but you get me on stage everything kind of slows down for me and it works for me and i feel free and i feel open and yeah and i uh i always feel like with any good comic or any good wrestler in general it's always themselves just Mm -hmm. amped up you know right and that's what i do when you see me on stage like this is the me where i feel i'm not worried about what you think of me you know Mm -hmm. i'm I'm just this is and a lot of my jokes are like this is just what i feel Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and you take it as a joke so and that's why you like you said like the best gimmicks for anything show business related especially in front of a live audience is your normal personality turned up to a 12 
and then the real beast shines through. You know, your who are your favorite? Uh, who are your favorite wrestlers? Uh, favorite wrestlers growing up. Uh, I mean, or now, or all time. I just do a lot. Um, I love Eddie Guerrero. Um, I think uh, I've always been just big into performances and his. his the way that he performed so uniquely and, and you could always tell he was having a great time and just the things he would do with the ref bumps and, and like making it look like the other guy had hit him with right, the chair. Right. Like just the funny humor. I've always been a fan of re- comedy and wrestling. Uh, so I love Eddie. I love uh, Bret Hart. I love uh, Ric Flair is probably uh, one of my favorites of all time. I mean, you're you're one of my favorites. I'm not going to not say it because you're here. You, uh, it's just, man, I, I love good workers who are also have a good personality mm-hmm. well it's, it's show business right that's the idea of it yeah did yeah. you did you ever think about be getting into wrestling yeah <laughs> <laughs> i totally did and when i was younger that was like i think this is what I'm, I'm like eventually i'll just get in shape and i'm gonna be a wrestler <laughs> that's my that's what it's gonna be uh, but i always knew i just wanted to perform but i was like maybe i'll be a manager <laughs> Did you have like a, a character uh, or a gimmick? Yeah, everybody has that when you're a kid. You have like I'm going to be like for me. I was going to be I was like I was really into Christian heavy metal, mm-hmm. and I was going to be Christian Chris Irvin and throw Bibles into the ring <laughs> into the crowd as I went to the ring. Like just like what are you talking about? What did you have in mind? Uh, I grew up. I was living on the Oregon coast, and I lived in Oregon a lot. And so my whole thing was that I was going to be Ron the Reckless Negro Funches, and my whole bit was that I was going to be like a a crazed. Uh, uh, just a wild Negro from the Oregon coast who just wore blue jean cutoff shorts and had crazy hair and was always like, I'm, hide your weed and white women. There's a reckless Negro coming. Basically kind of based off of like Jack Johnson and boxing and stuff where it was right. just like, I'm everything that the white establishment thinks you should be scared of. You know, that that was my character. You can put that sell a lot of t-shirts, the reckless Negro. Yeah, well, I already do. <laughs> Do I you, sell them just at comedy shows. Do you use that gimmick in yeah, comedy shows? Yeah, because I did that on that midnight. I I did that character once on that midnight, and people got in. So I was like, oh, yeah, I might as well sell <laughs> shirts. Hmm, Trying to get them on pro wrestling tees. <laughs> <laughs> you are a big fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you watch now still as oh, well? Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, I, we were just talking about, um, I was just trying to procure my tickets to Lucha Underground for the Ultima Lucha. Um, I go to PWG out here. No kidding. Uh, I watch a lot. I mean, I watch Raw every week. And um, I, mean, I just big... talked to uh, the Young Bucks yesterday, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how PWG is becoming kind of like the hip thing in town mm-hmm. to where there are celebrities showing up, like yourself. They mentioned uh, Sofia Vergara mm-hmm. was there. Yeah. True Blood cast is there. Yeah, often. Yeah. It's uh, it's what I always tell people who um, aren't that into wrestling or uh, and they are like, hey, what's just a good thing to go do? I'm like, you got to go to you got to go to PWG. It's an event um, to put it with comedy things. There's a show out here called The Meltdown on Wednesday nights at this comic book store. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of like. The biggest event in comedy weekly that we have mm-hmm. it just packs out this comic book store and it's just a great vibe. And every time you have a set there, it's just like you just feel like you're the best at comedy. And and I was like, that's what it's like 
at for at PWG. Like that's gotcha. what that so is. A small venue with just a crazy vibe, right? Yeah, exactly. And with with crazy talented people who feel open to really show their stuff. Mm. And and that's what I feel like they're very match up that way. So I mean, there, there's you know, like I mentioned before, when you're a comedian or a musician or a wrestler, very a lot of similarities being on the road. And, you know, touring from town to town. Now, I mean, obviously, you got a lot of stuff going on in L.A., on TV. But have you spent a lot of time also on the road, coast to coast, all that sort of thing as well? Yeah, yeah. That was most of it. I mean, the TV things kind of just came within the last couple of years. You know, and I've been doing comedy for nine years. So uh, most of it was just me traveling on the road. And that's, I always was like this. It reminds me of a lot of uh, being a wrestler. I always match the two up where it's just like you go city to city for 50 bucks sometimes, <laughs> putting your body through a table. You might do it physically or emotionally, <laughs> but it feels the same either way. And then you go to the next place because you're just trying to get better at mm. your craft because you know that the payoff can come later, you know, and that's that's most of comedy. Is uh, What was the uh, comedy scene like in Portland when you started out? I, it was... It was luckily for me, it kind of just grew at the same rate that I was in my comedy because it's when I started, it was very just empty and um, nobody really had any blueprint of how to succeed. There were a couple of, of older comics that um, that were of note, like Dwight Slade and Susan Rice, who who were touring national comics, but. For the most part, it was like, hey, you're going to end up going to Idaho and doing these these shitty things called triple runs where you just make 50 bucks and you tr- you spend basically you make enough to get enough gas money to make it to the next gig. It's how they got That's it set up. That's a triple run? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. So <laughs> I was like, I don't want to have to change my act to try to fit people in in uh, Billings, Montana or something well, like yeah, that. Well, if you have a, like, you know, when you start going over to Iowa or Billings, not a lot of black people, yeah. a lot of almostly white guys there too right yeah yeah and i mean which has never really been a problem for me because i mean that's oregon in general too oh yeah so it's not i mean that's never the issue it's just more like you go there and and they have a specific idea of what comedy is which Mm -hmm. is you yelling at them and that's not my style and so i was like i just want to work on my style and do what i do and i'm not going to even worry about making money and that was kind of the that was what was great about that scene is that a lot of people had individual styles because no one had a blueprint to follow. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just doing their own thing. And then the scene kind of grew, and now we have festivals, and we have a great club, and it's just helped me meet people and, and open for great people like Mark Marin or, or uh, um, John Mulaney. And, and I met them all in Portland, and then when I got here, I had a group of support to be like, no, oh, this guy is funny. So, so most of the time when you're doing you know comic tours, you're just going to one specific venue for like three days for the weekend it's not like you're driving from town to town to town no 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 i mean that would be more of a bigger thing like if you're doing uh just theaters and stuff where you can set up one nighters mm-hmm. i mean that's what i'm working towards uh but yeah for the most part you're in comedy clubs working thursday through saturday sunday if they force you to uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing you know two shows a night and then you're leaving with with, with like fifteen hundred bucks, so it's like, not bad. Plus, however many reckless Negro uh, shirts you can that sell. You sell, yeah, yeah. Did you have some? What was your? If you had like a really bad gigs from time to time, like what's your Always. worst gig? 
Uh, the worst gig I <laughs> remember was uh, it was, it was beginning of March, right after Black History Month, and that this will come into this will be I'm saying it for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was a couple days after Black History Month. It's March first. I'm doing a show in Tacoma, Washington, at this venue that's a crappy nightclub that used to be a bank. And they have, uh, I walk in and there's just like a mechanical bull going and there's people, two girls riding it together. It's very like supposed to be sexual, but it's not, it's not doing it for me. I'll tell you <laughs> that. And, uh, and it's just like, just this horrible place. And I start my setup and no one's listening, but I'm like, well, I'm going to struggle through it. And then I get one joke out and then two black guys come in and they're just the loudest, most stereotypical, like movie theater type of black guys you could ever <laughs> see. You're like yelling out They're just screaming. like, oh, man. Oh, what's up? What's up, Pete? Oh, I see you over there, my man. All right, Julie. Oh, I see you. Oh, oh, my man's up there doing the comedy thing. All right, man. All right. You going to do that comedy thing? You do you, man. I'm going to be over here. Keep talking is what I'm going <laughs> to do and so then they just keep going and then i just i get a moment of silence and i just go it's only two days after black history month and i already hate niggas again (laughs) (laughs) they didn't laugh chris nobody laughed nobody laughed and no one laughed at me for the rest of my set and and then i left and I oh hid in a van goodness. until everybody else finished their sets. <laughs> How is that for you? Like if you go out to do, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and you walk on stage and you tell a couple of like your normal jokes that are like the zingers and nobody gives a shit. Like is it hard to continue through the rest of the set? Yeah, I mean, and- it doesn't happen as much anymore because most of the shows, thank God, because of the TV show. and, and Sure, but I mean night. when you started though. When I started, yeah, <laughs> it was, uh-huh. it was, I mean, especially with my style and, and the fact that I'm a black comic and sometimes they would just promote me as a black comic and you would, then the people were expecting a certain thing. Like, how do you mean? Like, here comes Ron Funches, he's black. Yeah, pretty much. That's what you say in the poster? <laughs> no, well, they would just book me in rooms where it was like, oh, uh, Bruce Bruce and Earthquake were just here <laughs> and then now I'm here and then it's just like, we're, they were going to be different styles. Not to put anything, I love Bruce Bruce, I, gotcha. I love Earthquake, but they're very uh the standard like egotistical loud like mm-hmm. in your face and i'm very laid back and relaxed and i kind of invite you into my world mm-hmm. is what i would say my style is like and so i would do a lot of shows where they would start i do a couple jokes and they'd be like and either they would embrace it or they would they would just be like oh no 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 i don't like this at all <laughs> and so i would do a bunch of shows where uh for 200 people, probably 150 of which had gotten free tickets. Mm-hmm. And so I would have pockets of 20 here, 20 here who are like dying, loving it. And then I'd have this this sea of indifference. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just, I would try to work everybody, but I was just like, you know what? I mean, the fact that the people who like my material aren't just liking it. They're dying. Like, mm-hmm. they're loving it. Like, that is all I need. Because then, I mean, I don't need... I, I'd rather just kill with a smaller group of people than to than to just slightly hit with everybody. Mm, I know? gotcha. You know, I want the people who like me to be with me for my whole career. See, I, I always wonder, like, I just went to see Jim Norton a couple weeks ago in Tampa. And, like, when I, I, Jim's a great guy. He's my friend. But even the opening comedians and stuff, when I go to a comedy club, 
I want to laugh. Like, say, you know, hey, I got a glass of water, and I'll be laughing because, like, that's why I'm there. I get <laughs> yeah, it. you're primed up. Yeah, yeah. You, know, if I, you know, so if I go to a wrestling show, I'm going to be cheering, or I go, yeah. to, like, you know, once again, anything that's a live performance, I want to get into it. I never understood that people who go to live events to just sit there and do nothing or complain about it. I mean, I, I, do, I don't understand well, that. I just type think, of, I mean, I don't. I don't think we get it because we're not like that, mm-hmm. you know. But I feel like you, you're like there's just different types of people in the world, and there's people who, are at that point, are negative, and so and a lot of times they just want to go out and be seen. They're trying to hit on girls mm-hmm. or whatever, and a lot of times it's jealousy, you know, because they're like the attention's off of me. Like, you know, normally in my world, the attention's on me. And now I have to sit in the dark and I have to watch this other person. And the girl I'm with is laughing at him, mm. and, you know, and then you get and then those are the guys that usually were like, oh, and then they want to heckle you, you know, and then you shut them down and then they feel bad, you know, because they they just want attention. You know, I always thought I love the Seinfeld's comment with the hecklers. It's like, I've got the mic. You can't win. Yeah. Like, I'll always win. When, yeah. When you're heckling. Yeah. You got to learn when you're younger, though. You sometimes you, you give people the mic and you lose and you make mistakes. You got to learn, like never give. Never. Like, how give do you mean? Like, what, what, well, what? you know, sometimes the, the worst way you can go about a heckler is to let them actually affect you and mm-hmm. make you mad. Especially in my thing, because a lot of my material is very upbeat and very uh, happy and I, try to twist it so if i break out of that and i show you this real anger it's hard to get you back on my side Mm -hmm. so i need to always be like ah you can't get me ah whatever like you know the second that i'm actually like and I've done this before where people have gotten me where it's like, oh, for real? All right. And then, and then you're like, oh, you what are you giving them the mic? <laughs> yeah. Let them talk to yeah. you. Yeah. Like, uh, and then you lose. Yeah. Then you lose because either they are funny or they <laughs> right. don't want to give you the mic back because they're drunk and now they got the mic. And so, That's a bad situation. Yeah. yeah. So ne- Yeah. So never give up the mic. Because well, I mean, but it's like, if it's an obvious heckle, though, you almost have to say something. If you're up there talking and someone just goes, "Hey, you suck," or something like that. Yeah. What, what, what is what is like? Do you have a line that you say back or? Well, I mean, I, I don't have anything. I used to have things prepped. I used okay. to have things prepped up, and and then sometimes they'd work, and sometimes they'd be too mean. Now it's just always like, oh, I mean, it's like dealing with my son or anything like that. It's like I will listen to you. And then I will access it, and then I will respond to you. Accordingly. And yeah, like, what do you need from me? Do you need me to yell at you and tell you to shut the fuck up? Because that used to be my go-to. Uh-huh. Sometimes that works, sometimes I didn't. Yeah. And I will. But if what you, maybe you just made a mistake. Maybe you were too excited. And I'll address that. And I'll just be like, oh, oh you just must be so excited to be here. <laughs> you think you can, I'm going to show you how this works. You laugh, and then you shut you know, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, it yeah. works like that. Well, plus, too, as you play bigger venues, now you're over. Like, you're, yeah. you know, no one's going to, you know, when you're more unknown, that's kind of what happens yeah. for all of us. You know, is it like, for example, too, I was going to ask you, like, let's say it's it's a wrestling match or even with, with, with Fozzie. If the crowd is just really dead and you can tell they're just not having it, you cut stuff. I'll cut this song or just cut the, just go home, finish <laughs> it up. Do you ever put some element of improv in your set or do you do like, I've got this subject, this subject this subject and just let it out there and go or do you have an element of just I used to um, what I would call go in a robot mode if um, if I could tell a set wasn't going well and they weren't liking it and I was like well let's just do my set and I'll go through it mm-hmm. and then I'd always hated it and, and I think it was Mark Marin who wrote something about how he was like I'm always going to make sure that I have fun no matter like if you're not having fun I don't care yeah. I'm going to have fun and so that's been my motto the last few years where it's just like if you're not having fun I'm going to address it, 
and then I'm going to make sure that I'm having fun. You can choose to leave. You know, mm-hmm. we already got your money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if this wasn't for you, you should have researched better. Yeah. And you can leave. Right. And and then I'm gonna have fun. I will talk about how it's not how it's not going well and how I thought this was gonna go better. But I'm, I mean, I I've stopped like. I would rather, especially now that I have a little bit of money, because <laughs> before it used to be like, oh, we need to make sure everyone likes me and the management needs to make sure I get that check. And now it's just like, I will go back home. <laughs> We're going to have fun. I have material. I want to work out. I need to try new things. So you're going to you're going to just have to go through it mm. with me. And that's and it's made it a lot more fun. I think it's made me a more fun performer to watch now that I'm less desperate because I think you're more confident. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Confidence is everything. Once you have the confidence, like you can go in there in any situation and I'll I'll kill it. Yeah. And it just comes from experience and and experience and talent. I mean, the uh, I watched Dave Chappelle recently at at the comedy store and, and just watching this like this mix of the utmost experience with the utmost talent with this guy who's just smoking a cigarette who could not care less whether you're there or not. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever <laughs> seen. And that's like, that's what, like, this is what I want to work towards. And I know you can't cheat it. You can't cheat that, ex- you know, experience. You can't just be like, I'm confident now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you have to go through it. Become it. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm just like, oh, he's got to do as many sets as possible. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Amigas, see? Already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. You mentioned Chappelle and you mentioned Mark Barron. Who who were some of the comedians that, that influenced you when you were first getting into the, the um, biz or when you were a kid? Well, my biggest influence is Lucille Ball. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I love I love Lucy. I love Lucy. <laughs> no, no. In what way? Um, in every way. In the fact, she's a, she's an excellent performer. She's an excellent stage performer, radio performer. Show was great. Uh, excellent businesswoman. You know, she she's she was the first. 
she owned a studio, you know. Mm. She was the first woman to own a studio. Uh, she she pioneered the three camera format. Uh, she greenlit Star Trek and Mission Impossible. How does she green? Oh, does the productions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, she wasn't just responsible for I Love Lucy. She was responsible for three classic series coming Interesting. out. Interesting. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Here's another thing that you might not know is that she's responsible for Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> what? Seriously. I, uh, she she had a special like in the mid seventies, the Lucille Ball Entertainment Special. You know they used to have those, and he came on screen. They needed like a like a really muscular television repairman, and he had one or two lines, and she thought he was hilarious and said, "You are funny." And she sent him to go to the uh, Friars Club with Milton Berle and all those old timers, and he hung out with those guys and got his comedy honed up and she was like you are going to be a star and she was his uh, mentor I didn't know that interesting right did you know that so she obviously was able to to pick out talent like yeah. you said in the middle of nowhere yeah you know yeah. How, how were you exposed to, to Lucille Ball um, when I was a kid it was just kind of it would come on after cartoons so mm. I'd watch uh, watch my cartoons and then I'd watch Lucille Ball and Benny Hill uh, well, oh, I love Benny Hill. Yeah. In Canada, they used to show that all the time. Yeah, because then you're like, you're getting both. You're getting funny and you get to see boobs. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> That's it. Oh, this is the best thing in my life. <laughs> the, the music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's great. Yeah. Uh, so it was that, and then it was uh, Dave Chappelle for sure. Uh, Mitch Hedberg. Uh, probably Dude, how funny is Mitch Hedberg, man? I love that. I bought an amp farm. <laughs> They're not growing me nothing. I bought some carrots for me because his vibe was like he was super dry, right? Yeah. Like what? You, what was some of his bits? Uh, well, he had uh, one of my favorite was the uh, where he was at the restaurant. And they're calling people, and they're like, I went to a restaurant. And they were it was like, Dufresne, party of three. Dufresne, party of three. And then they just moved on. Like, Smith, party of two. Well, hold on. What happened to the Dufresne? <laughs> <laughs> we need to, we, they're missing. You're like, yeah. we need to do we a search, search party, party of three. Search party for the Dufresne. Yeah, that's where it ends up the bit. Yeah. It's like, search party of three. <laughs> yeah, like, and then uh, there was like, uh, Escalators can never break. They just become stairs. <laughs> yeah, right, right. yeah. I wanted to join a protest. No, wait. I'm not into protests, but I don't know how to express it. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part is you doing these bits. <laughs> Because <laughs> you have, like, everything but the punchline. <laughs> Worst comedian ever. <laughs> so did you kind of try and hone your style after those guys that you mentioned? Uh, when or? I first started, yeah, it was, I mean, I would... And it was easy for me because I was very shy. I'm like, I just have to hold my head down and I don't mm. have to worry about things. Um, and then... It took me a little bit, and it's just kind of my own voice, and just it, it changes from like, oh, I want to write a, I need to write a poop joke, or I need to write an abortion joke, and then it's just like, I'm just gonna write jokes. I'm gonna write what comes to me, and it's gonna be from me, and that's it. And I think also the acting has really helped me break out of my shell, because then it was like, now I can do things physically, and I'm more aware of my body, I'm mm. more aware of uh, being able to get a laugh off of just doing a look mm -hmm. instead of a lie. And, and the thing you guess you would do in wrestling is like, why work harder? You know, yeah. <laughs> like if I can get a laugh off a look, it's twice as good as doing have to write in a two minute joke. Yeah, yeah. how are you? Yeah, yeah. That's the and that's the, the once again talking about the confidence and also the sense of timing. When like you said that timing of just to look like this, I think last week or whatever I stole Woods's trombone. 
And before I broke it, I just held it up in the air and looked at it. And people were just going nuts. It was like the, one of the biggest pops of the show for a stupid trombone. Yeah. But you just, like, 10 years ago, Chris Jericho would have taken it and broken it. And went, ha ha. But you just stand there like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And people are going nuts for it. I'm going to stand here even longer. Yeah. And then even longer. Milk it. It's yeah. that comedic timing, that pause of, like you said, just waiting for the people to respond. Yeah. So that they see it. You know? Yeah, exactly. And they can feel it. Yeah. You know, I, the, the, the advice that I always got from Vince McMahon is you want people to be able to hit their friend beside them and go, did you see that? If it's a big move or whatever it may be, let them digest it so you can talk like, oh my God, like you said, like the two black, oh, look at this, man, oh my yeah. God. Like whatever it may be. And if you if you cut your own uh, cut your own pop off, you're just, you're hurting yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, I learned that for a long time ago. And that's a lot of my style is very uh, quiet and very also just very timing based where I'll just I'll wait and also it's like I'll wait because I feel like it deserves more laughs yeah, yeah, <laughs> so right, right, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a famous comedian trick is people will laugh but if you don't move then the laugh goes away and then it comes back again yeah you know repetition is gold in comedy yeah was there anybody that uh, took you under your under their wing, kind of, and gave you some advice when you were starting out? Yeah, yeah, a few people did for sure, um, and you may or may not know them. Uh, one for sure from Portland was Dwight Slade, who is, he's a great comedian. Um, I will mention because it, it's might, maybe then you'll know who he is. Is that he was best friends with Bill Hicks? Are you familiar? Yeah, well, yeah, it's another Bill great Hicks. comedian that passed away, right? Yeah, and so. Uh, he he himself is just a great comedian, and he lives in Portland, and he was kind of the first guy that took me on the road. It took me on the road in a way that was – and when you kind of first start off comedy, there's kind of two different worlds. There's this, like, more of an artistic world, and then there's, like, this bar gig, let's just get as much money as possible, and we have to be very crude, and it's a lot more cursing, and um, and a lot of those headliners are cheating on their wives and sleeping with all the wait staff, and and those were the guys that I was traveling with at first, and at the time I was married, and so I was very much like, oh no, I don't like this. If this is what this life is, I'm not gonna survive. And he was the first guy to be like, you don't have to be like that. Let's go to a monastery and buy some candles. Let's go (laughs) do this. This is how we can be on the road. We can go find something fun to do. And when, when you're traveling together, is it like three or four comics in a car? Like usually like two, two, maybe three at the most. Um, and yeah, you're just driving together. If you have a couple gigs together, or you're you know, flying if you have more money. So once again, that's kind of similar to, to rest and get the guys in the car and just drive to the gig and that's... Yeah, yeah. So whoever's around, whoever's on the show. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. yeah. You're going to get booked if you got a license. Because <laughs> <laughs> a couple of us don't. So you got to get booked. So you know, in, in, in wrestling, the young guy has to drive. Is it the same with comics? Like the, the yeah, yeah, pretty much. The young guy has to drive, or are the worst comedian basically has to drive. The guy who's going to be hosting. Uh, I always got out of it because I was like, I'm. Pre-, they're like, he's pretty good. <laughs> we'll just bring him to be funny, uh, and so that really worked out well for me. Uh, what were we talking about? We're exactly? talking about your uh, guys that uh, oh, helped you started. Yeah. Oh, and then it was um. Uh, this guy named John Mulaney, who he's a writer for Saturday Night Live. Okay. And um, another one of his friends, Nick Kroll. Um, and and uh, they kind of really just took me on the road a bunch. And then when I moved here, Nick had the show called The Kroll Show for Comedy Central. And um, I hadn't written for any shows. I didn't, like, I didn't have any 
spec scripts to give out. I didn't mm-hmm. have that type of stuff, but they hired me to write for the show and they put me on the show and really helped uh, jumpstart my career. So I'd say like, yeah, so like Dwight, so and, yeah, John Mulaney and well, Nick Ross. Let's talk about um, uh, Undateable, which is a show you're doing now, which is really interesting to me because it's th- this season and maybe even all the shows, I'm not sure, but they're yeah. live. Yeah. Filmed live, which is such a talk about Lucille Ball. That's something right out of the fifties. Yeah, that goes. They're bringing it back now. No, is it legit live? Like it starts at nine o'clock, or do you tape it live? No, it's, it's legit. Uh, it's legit live. We come on. We do one taping at five o'clock for the East Coast, and then we take a little break and do and do another taping You're at eight o'clock me. for the West Coast. Yeah, so it's it's two shows. Uh, tw- Two shows a night. Uh, It's super live because sometimes they'll be like, hey, we're running out of time. We're going to have to cut this bit out. Yeah. It makes it very exciting in between commercials to have people be like, we can't do this. We can't do this. Because, like, things we rehearse and then when we do them live in front of the audience, sometimes they go longer. Sometimes they go better. You want to mug it a little more. Mm -hmm. And so then next thing you know, they're like, hey, we're going to be, if we shoot it like this, we're going to be five minutes over. So they have to cut this and that and it's like it's exciting to watch it's a great we get a lot of musical guests we had weezer on last week we had the backstreet boys coming we had we get a lot of a lot of fun people it's a good show it's good it's, it's, but i mean because you're a comedian so you're used to being in front of a live crowd is there like how is it for some of the actors actors uh they they luckily for us we got some ones that really embrace it and they're really good at live performing um because yeah it, it would be difficult. I mean, yeah. it's difficult in general just when you have a live audience because mm-hmm. sometimes they don't know how to hold for laughs, you know. Um, but luckily, it's kind of like made them more excited about working and more excited to like, oh, I want to get a killer laugh here. And uh, they're they're really good at it. We have a, we have a, a talented crew. Well, it's exciting when you don't have uh, you know you're live without a net. Literally, it, you know, Chicago is is infamous for being one of the greatest crowds. Uh, in the WWE, you know, world, like anytime you see Chicago on the on the schedule, you know, this is going to be an amazing, amazing crowd. Like Chicago is a huge wrestling town mm-hmm. or, or a loud one, at least, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's what I loved about growing up there. And, and it was uh, um, and, and my uncle taking me to those. Yeah, I love it. I love those things. And always that's what it seems weird to me, like sometimes because it feels like they consider those type of crowds anomalies, you know, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, the Chicago crowd or the Brooklyn crowd. You're like, they're the alternate universe. Where it's like, oh, no, I mean, they're the fans. Yeah. Those are the fans. And so I feel like sometimes they should pay more attention to the people those people are rooting for, you know? Well, once again, though, like, yeah, then sometimes you go and the crowd is just dead and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, you're not getting any reaction for anything nothing more like the other the other night i won't mention the city that we were in but it's a venue where when the pyro goes off there's so much smoke so they have to have these giant fans in there <laughs> to blow the smoke away or else it would just look like you know like the whole like the whole arena was on fire on ta- on camera so you, we were doing a promo and all i'm hearing is this big <laughs> wee, so be like if you're trying to tell some jokes in the background and it's just like this is driving me crazy i hate this but you know like you said you got to deal with all that sort of stuff right yeah 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 that stuff sucks though <laughs> i hate it when you're doing production things and you're just like you're like, come on. Like, yeah. I have so much to, I have, I have to nail this. <laughs> or you're going to be mad. And now there's a fan in my ear. It's <laughs> the worst. Is there certain cities for you that are like Chicago is for, for me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, 
I mean, it's all the typical ones. I'm pretty sure they're similar. Uh, I love I love Chicago. <laughs> I love Seattle. Uh, Portland is a great comedy city. Hmm. Uh, Denver is a great comedy city. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's the perfect mix of uh, they're smart. There's a lot of colleges in the area, so there's a lot of well-read, smart people, but they're not, like, too smart to where they're, like, uh, where mm-hmm. they like think they see through it. You right. Know? Weed so, is legal, so they're high. Yeah. Which and helps. they also, which sometimes can be too much because uh-huh. they're like, uh. But <laughs> they also drink a lot there. They drink mm. a lot and they're very athletic. And so um, that's where I recorded my album because I was like, these are like the perfect people. They love to party, but they're well read. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is great. That's my audience. And that's kind of the cool, the, the, the format of the comedy album, which, you know, almost album formats are almost gone anyways but that's still like i had some like robin williams mm-hmm. live at the met mm-hmm. from like about 82 it was so great early eddie murphy raw classic you know did you listen to the comedy albums when you were yeah for sure my mom was you know she was really into that type of stuff so we listened to a lot of uh, red fox and we listened oh, to he was great too uh richard Pryor. so blue at the yeah, time right? yeah yeah things where you're like oh no well, i yeah. shouldn't be listening <laughs> to this and so it was good and then, my, and then there was like comic view in my house at the time which was a show on bet where they just had a bunch of different stand-ups mm-hmm. uh so um from an early age humor was just always around in my right house. right right yeah yeah, you know it, it, it drives me nuts sometimes though when, um, and this is probably going to happen to you. You're going to get into the movies and become a great dramatic actor, and then just <laughs> stop doing stand up. Like if you watch like Steve Martin in the late '70s, or you watch you know Eddie Murphy, like I said, Bill Murray, like their stand up is so funny, so great, and then they get into you know big time A list movie stars, and they just stop doing that stand up, which I never quite understood. You think they'd want to go back and do it. And most most do, you know? Mm-hmm. Most do. And even even Robin um, was when yeah. he, when he never a stopped before he died. He yeah. I, I, he would actually be at Meltdown at that comic book store. Really? Yeah, because he, he loves comic books. He would read some oh. comic books. He would watch the show, and then every now and then he'd get on and perform. Um, and it was great. I felt very blessed that I got to see him a couple of times before he died. And... Uh, uh, most, I mean, for me, and I know most of my friends, it's like you are just a comedian, you know, it's just part of you. And so you want to do stand up. Right. You never get tired of like even when I'm doing acting and stuff, it's great. And it's great with the live. But like when you're taping things and you're like, oh, I'm not sure if this is funny or not, because you're not getting we're the... just doing it over and over. And yeah, and you're and not over. getting that reaction, that yeah. instant gratification, whether it's fun or not. Right. Yeah. And then that's what I get from stand up. And so it's like I always need that. And, mm-hmm. and especially, you know, in this business, in this economy, you don't want to you got to stay diversified. You gotta do multiple things. Were you an Eddie Murphy fan? Not much. Okay. <laughs> I think I grew up a little bit different era. Uh, so it's like he was already Dr. Doolittle by then. Yeah, yeah. missed me a little bit. Let's talk about you mentioned how you went to some of the, the Raw and SmackDown, I'm sure, pay per views in Chicago. What were some of the favorite things that you saw live as, as, a, as a WWE fan? Uh, I mean, the stretcher match is always like something that, that really affected me because I was just like, man, thank you, Hulk Hogan, for banishing the evil, evil. Uh, <laughs> and then. Uh, went to a spring stampede, WCW okay. spring stampede. Oh, wow. I remember I saw the Nasty Boys versus the Road Warriors in a Chicago street fight, and I, and I loved that. 
<laughs> that was one of my favorite things. Um, when I mean, this was on TV, but when you did the uh, when you you did the list of the a thousand and four holes, that was in Chicago. I, I that was in Chicago. That was one of my favorite moments in, in wrestling, especially just when they cut back to you and you're still <laughs> in the ring. Were you there live? No, okay, no. So I wish. I wish. No. What I did. What I did was I started with the list, right? And you know, whatever I said, move one, move two, move three, move four. We went to commercial break and then i just started cutting a promo on all chicago sports teams because i wanted them to be just yeah. booing and just flipping out when we came back from break so bulls suck blackhawks suck blah blah blah, blah bears blah, blah 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 and then right before they came back and i was like hold number 712 and people were just like boo yeah. so it looks <laughs> like, like you had done every I had single done one they were so mad of me reading these holes people i was just like you know dick buckus is a jerk or whatever <laughs> or mike dick or whatever the hell the guy's names were you know but um but but like i said that's the chicago vibe of it you know what i mean what's your favorite match that you've seen uh oh that's a good question i don't know what my i can tell you a few different matches i love and love them for different reasons i really love that match between kurt angle and shane mcmahon at king of the ring mm. where he broke his tailbone even though it got real sloppy and weird is that I where just, he kind of gave shane like a belly to back into the tron and just yeah. dumped him on his head or dumped something like that on his head Eesh. yeah it was gnarly but i really respected shane a lot after i saw that match mm -hmm. um and let's see Ooh, the ladder match between uh Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. Probably one classic, of my favorite yeah. matches of WrestleMania all time. 10. Yeah. Oh, the match between... This was a new one because I just was... I've always been a big fan of Owen Hart and I just got that Blu-ray and I was re-watching his matches and I love that match on WrestleMania 10 between Brett and Owen. That's yeah. That's one of my favorite. That's as far as like, this is a, like... Not only is this great in ring, it's like this is like I'm watching a movie, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah right. Such a epic... it was such, and the way that it played out was it started out with Brett and Owen in the first match. Owen wins, finally gets his due, and at the end of the yeah. night, Brett wins the title again. And Owen's, big brother is all he's on top still again. bigger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was a great story, great storytelling. Yeah, you know? I think that's one of my, like those would be some of my favorites. Um, I love uh, anything with, with with like when the series between Brock and Kurt. Mm -hmm. They were going back and forth, and I love. I just really like uh, when guys are really good, solid wrestlers. Like I really like Chad Gable. Like I think he's gonna be awesome. Wow! So you watch NXT as well? Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot about Chad. Is that Chad Gable and his partners Jason Jordan? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen much of them. What, what's up with Chad that, that you like so much? Um, he reminds me of Kurt Angle. He reminds me of Kurt Angle in the fact that he's very technically sound, mm. and but he makes it look fun. You know, a lot of that stuff where you're just going around riding people in, in positions and stuff looks boring. And he makes it look really fun. He's funny when he does promos. And he's also, I always feel like the best rush to me could be funny, but you never were not taking them seriously. You mm -hmm. know, they could always at the switch be like, I'm dangerous. Right. And like, to me, you're like, you always have to take him serious because he has that wrestling background right so i feel like he's gonna be if they give him a chance he can be he can, he can draw money for him it's interesting though because nxt has become so big right now but there's still you got to make that transition to yeah, to the no. wb and it's a whole different world it once again seems like it so you know it seems like it goes well for most <laughs> <laughs> but it always takes time too you know i remember like when you came in mm -hmm. you know oh yeah yeah you know they put you in real hot and uh interrupting the rock and then and then they dropped you down a bit. <laughs> 
you figured out the WWE system. <laughs> and that's how it works for, for everybody. Anybody that comes in from a different place, you can see the pattern every single time, you know? Yeah. So when those guys come up from NXT, I think there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of internet, social media hype. And then they're saying, like, what the hell's going on? What happened? But that's just how it goes. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. And I've come to terms with that as an adult. I'm like, I'm never, cause to me, it's like, what's the point of always being like, ah, I wish, I wish they treated Kevin Owens better. Or, you know, it's like, there's no point. I'm sure Kevin is fine and he loves his paychecks and he loves everything. Well, I mean, going on. And what you said, the, the, the build will, will always be there. To yeah, start for again, sure. As long you know? as you don't give up, I mean, yeah. it just kind of shakes out, you know? It does suck that sometimes it, 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 it seems like it, it, that they could, be more I just feel like there, there, why does it always have to be just one guy you know there could be more than one guy I mean as far as like the face of, yeah. the, of the company yeah I, I think that's that just gonna be because that's just tradition it's been that way for so long yeah you know what I mean I get that but sometimes traditions need to change yeah and I feel like um just with the audience in the way that you it's expanding and uh that you can find more people who would be like oh I like this guy but also I love this guy and you can draw money that way. It doesn't have to just be one guy. Um, we have a conversation a lot about, like, I mean, we know uh, we, they love Roman Reigns, and uh, it, she likes Roman Reigns. It's taken me longer to come around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a fan of his work. I think he's good. I do believe that he's still a little green, mm-hmm. but that's on me. Uh, but we're just always talking about, like, it works for him. She likes him because... She hits it is everything for her, you know. He's the, like, the total package yeah. for a girl. He's a good looking guy, he's big, you know, and that's the thing too. We know and I agree with you a thousand percent. I think Roman I think Roman's maybe five percent as good as he's gonna be three, four, five years from now when he, he's gonna be amazing because A, he's second generation, he's grown up his whole life, he just has it. Mm-hmm. But people that don't know the intricacies of the business will think he's great now. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of how wrestling works is there's always the hardcore fans, like once again, like show business, the hardcore comedy fans that yeah. know everything about comedy and I've been listening and then there's people who come just to laugh. Yes. You know, and wh- what's which is more important to connect with? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And you can service both is, is the best. And I think that's what's best about the wrestling right now is that it, it's I don't feel like it's ever been in a better position because you have your WWE and and if you're if you're not if you don't like that and you don't like the tradition there's so many other options right now that are viable options more than there ever been since WCW folded mm-hmm. you know you can watch Ring of Honor you can watch PWG you can watch I mean I guess not on TV but you can watch Ring of Honor on TV you can watch Lucha Underground you can watch TNA even though they don't seem that great either <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of tna do you think they have a chance to continue um, forward or i mean i think it's 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 what you see a lot of where it's just like there's a lot of talented workers there who seem to be undone by by the management mm-hmm. that they that for some reason or another they don't have the right structure to to make it pop proper properly because there's a lot of talent there ec3 is amazing like i think he's one of the best yeah he's come along really yeah, well hasn't he? he he really has developed a lot and uh i just feel like he's he's just a real solid hand they all, they've had a bunch of solid hands you know i remember i mean there was that time period in 2005 or so where they were really really hot and they just mm-hmm. kind of they kind of just decided to go another way. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, uh, you know, like like I said, I, I love the fact that you're so into wrestling and so um, 
you understand what's going on. Like you said sometimes the management will tie your hands, but you don't have to worry about that in comedy so much. Like you pretty much just do whatever you want, right? Yeah, that's the best part about stand up. Right, but you don't have a team like your agent manager, Ron. You got to do more of this type of stuff or more of that no, type of stuff. No, not at all. You just kind of do what you want to do, and and it's always to me, you know, you you have a test audience every night, so you like that's to me the difference between someone who wants to be a good stand up and someone who's kind of just wants attention. It's like, oh, I could go out there and do jokes that don't work, but if you go out there and you tell me enough times that this didn't work, I'll drop it. Mm-hmm, I'll mm-hmm. come up with something else. And we'll work together and we'll figure out. Maybe I thought the punchline was something else and you're telling me from hmm. that it's not and it's earlier than I thought it was. And I So you jump. listen to the reactions and kind of mold your set accordingly. Yeah, exactly. That's smart, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's better than just trying to force it down their throat, which is, again, what they're trying to do with Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> so you you have the network do you spend a lot of time oh on the network? too much so too much what are you Chris. watching on on it i watch a lot of nxt i watch a lot of uh, mid-south wrestling oh, okay. uh because uh the bill watts oh which one is, wait Okay. Is either Mid-South or Smoky Mountain? Smoky Mountain was Cornette. I'm watching Smoky Mountain. Thrill Seekers, baby. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm watching <laughs> you and Lance. Yeah. Uh, you guys are young. You're hot. You're new on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> they had us do this vignette. It's, it's going viral right now when we first got there. And uh, like you said, we're the new hot young upstarts, and and they, he wanted us to, you know, to appeal to the to the girls in the territory. So they had us like you know working out of the gym and just showing like gratuitous shots of our asses during squats, and it's very homoerotic. Yeah. And then at the end of it, we're walking down the corridor, and these two girls see us, and they beckon us, and then we go into the room and put on the do not disturb sign. Now these girls, I mean, I don't know where. Cornette found these girls, but they were not uh, uh, not worthy of being on TV, shall we say. <laughs> and I was like, Jimmy, let me go to the mall. Give me five minutes and I'll find two hotties. Let me go to a strip club for five minutes. You want to be in TV? Yes. Let me go to Hooters. Anyway, he's like, no, we got to do it. And I, I know like, you guys are the thrill seekers. <laughs> this is what you do. You'll find the thrill anywhere. You, you guys have problems emotionally. <laughs> And so you'll sleep with anybody. That's the bit. <laughs> that's exactly. And that's what we watch. want the girls to know is that right, if they yeah. just see you, yeah. <laughs> they can have you. And that's what happened the whole time I was in the territory was that there was uh, there wasn't a lot of hot girls in the whole area, and. Uh, <laughs> So the the rumor was going on that I was gay. And I'm like, I'm not gay. I just have standards. Well, that's good. You know what I mean? Good. Yeah. Even when I got to WB, Bruce Pritchard said, I heard you were gay. I'm like, where'd you hear that from? Cornette told me. I'm like, oh, you should have seen what was down there. No, it's not have, up to oh, I've been watching episodes, so I know. <laughs> I see that crowd. It's the best. That's why I like watching it when you see like uh, New Jack and Mustafa, the gangsters, going out there. And, and it's it takes on a whole different thing from when they were in ECW. Because then it's like there, they're like, the whole crowd just hates us. And when they want us to die, it's really silly. I'm mostly, I've been watching a lot of it because I'm, um, I'm writing this cartoon about wrestling. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. Tell me more. It it's just basically a thing that I've always been interested in when I was a kid, which is basically of what wrestling was completely real, and it also affected uh, politics on every level. So basically, it's a show set in the 80s where wrestling is the most popular 
sport or entertainment in the planet and the um the best wrestler in the world is also the president of the United States <laughs> and he's solving problems through body slams and <laughs> and chokeholds and it's uh I think it's going to be funny it should be it, good is it something that you've sold already or... mm-hmm, I sold it but I don't know when it's going to come out it's going to be on that uh CISO which is NBC's digital platform like their Netflix what's it called it's called uh, the show yeah the show's called squashed <laughs> yeah, I knew you can see. I really was like, I hope when I says it, he he knows why and he likes it, and I feel like you did. So it's good. So have good. you got? Have you ever met any of the guys, uh, WWE guys at all? Um, I met. A f- I know a few older guys. I know some of you. Like I'm um, a Biggie. He's mm-hmm. a, and Xavier are friends of mine and Kofi. Uh, so I know all the New Day. I know um, not many WWE guys. I know, I mean, I'm, from when Kevin Steen or Owens was here at PWG, mm-hmm. I know him a little bit from that. And then um, I'm, I guess I, I'm real close with with with, with Sean with X Pac. Like we we've hung out at a couple conventions, and and he's a great guy. I like him. He's a good guy to who, talk who, to. Who would you want to meet if you could meet anybody? If I could meet, I met some great. I'm, one of the best ones I met, and I really like was um, I met Piper mm-hmm. when he was in because he was in Port, lived in Portland. That's and, right. Yeah. Um, he was doing comedy shows, and so a friend of mine was opening for him, and so I tagged along because I was like, I gotta go meet Roddy Piper. So what was Piper's comedy show like? Um, that I didn't see oh. because I had my own show oh, okay. to go to. Okay. But I was like, I'm gonna go with you guys. Yeah to meet Piper and then I'm going to go do my set. Right. Uh, but he was delightful as a person. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite thing that I took away from because until that point, I had done a lot of stand-up and I met a few other comedians, but not really many famous people. And the couple that I've met have been real like, uh, like the typical famous people where they're just real like, uh, I think I'm, I'm yeah. the best. And this was the first time where I met someone and I was like, oh, you remind me of me. And you're famous, and you're do something, and it's like, oh, maybe I can do it because it's like you're very just relaxed, and you're just like, I love my family, and mm-hmm. I, this, and I'm just so happy to perform, and this is what I like doing, and I'm just lucky. His whole thing was that he was just, like, I'm just lucky people show up to come see me, and I'm just <laughs> like, and he was just very like, oh, sit down, let's sit down, let's talk. Once, especially once he knew I was a wrestling fan, he was just like, oh, just sit down. Well, you got any questions? What do you want to know? And and it was just like, oh, you're just the chillest, nicest guy. You never met me in my life and I was just like that's the best so he was probably uh, my favorite wrestler that I've met but what about is there someone that you want to meet that I want to meet who would I want to meet the most uh man I don't know maybe Mick Foley I like him a lot I think I would like to meet him oh Ric Flair I want to meet Ric Flair I want to meet Ric Flair that's who I want to meet just to see if he really just is always Ric Flair <laughs> oh yeah he that's is. what I hear yes he is and I want to see it here's what we'll do next time we have a show in LA I think we have him coming up very soon come to the show and I'll take you backstage. You can meet Ric Flair. I would. I mean, you recorded it, so now everyone. Yeah, everyone. I have to live up to it. And I'll bring your girl too, because like she just went. She just went. <gasps> she's like, <laughs> duh. She's calling the shots. Last question: What's your favorite uh, episode of I Love Lucy? Oh, my favorite episode of I Love Lucy is the one where they buy a freezer. Uh, she wants her own freezer, and then she accidentally buys a whole side of beef, and so she has to hide it from Ricky and try to get rid of it. <laughs> 
And my favorite part is when she she and Ethel take a baby carriage and they fill it up with meat and a scale and they go into a a, a butcher shop and they try to sell meat like drugs <laughs> and steal customers away from it. So they keep tapping on like people in line and you go, Psh, hey. Come over here. <laughs> you want a good deal? Tell you what I'm going to do. I got T-bone, rump roast, sirloin, steak. <laughs> and he's just like, anything I want, 79 cents a pound. And it's just like so funny. And she looks real cute. And it's just like, man, you're like, she was doing so much at once. She was like being silly, but she was taking charge. She was being like very much a drug dealer, but in a very, very funny way. <laughs> in and the 50s. It, yeah. So it was like hilarious. It's my favorite episode. I mean, I like the classic ones like the, you know. Vitamin the, of Edgeman. Yeah, that yeah. one. Like that's my that's mom's favorite. Yeah, that's yeah. my mom's favorite. But for me, like nothing beats the one where she's like. I, and then she gets stuck in the freezer and she does like great physical comedy <laughs> or the one where she and Harpo hang out and they do the mirror bit together oh yeah I mean, she had the same she had the hat on yeah. and everything yeah. yeah classic stuff man yeah, you're a good classic. dude Ron you're a good dude Chris. remember Ric Flair I'm gonna take you to meet him yay <laughs> stay alive Rick. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best ending ever <laughs> on that note Thanks to Ron Funches. He's so funny and undateable. Uh, you can also see him in the third season of Transparent, which is available now at Amazon. Uh, it's an Amazon original show. He's also in the upcoming Trolls movie. He doesn't play a troll. He actually uh, keep your uh, keep your comments to yourself. He's one of the one of the voices of the one of the trolls, and you can hear by his voice how ridiculous that's going to be. That's out November fourth. Everybody, go make that a number one movie so that Ron makes lots of money. All right. Speaking of Amazon, that is the OG sponsor of Talk is Jericho, and the easiest way to support this show. All my Amazon links at podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. You got them Amazon links for the USA, the UK, the Canada A. Every time you use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to the show to help us cover production costs. You can buy just about anything you can think of on Amazon. And using the Talk is Jericho Amazon links won't cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or extra charges. So just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. They hit the Talk is Jericho button. All my great sponsors are there as well. DDP Yoga, get 20% off the DDP Yoga program, plus three months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app. You know I've been using it. You know I feel good about it. I want you to feel the same. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. DraftKings, you want to play fantasy football? Play with the Kings. Play with DraftKings. Use the promo code Y2J to play for free with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. And, of course, don't forget March 15, 2017. It's the biggest podcast ever. When Mick Foley joins Talk is Jericho, the countdown clock is still running 167 days and counting. Thank you so much for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And on uh, Friday, he worked for the WWE for 30 years. All right, that's got to be some kind of record. I've been there 17. He worked for the WWE for 30 years. I'm talking about the Brooklyn Brawler, Steve Lombardi, one of the most famous enhancement guys, and not even enhancement, more than that, a long-term, long-time quality employee who uh, won some, lost one, but always uh, did a great job in every single aspect of the business. He worked in the ring. He worked outside of the ring. He worked behind the scenes. He was in charge of pre-tapes. He was in charge of watching uh, the the, the, the uh, rookies do promos to decide if they could go to the next level or not. Steve 
Steve Lombardi has his entire 30-year career telling all the stories about all of the guys he worked with and traveled with, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man Randy Savage. The list goes on and on and on and on. He'll be here on Friday. You don't want to miss it. Uh, Stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. And we'll see you on Friday with a big yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.